0: This is a world premiere for Spook Life, is that having uh, both Cooper and Carey in the same room together, which has never happened since they've been co-presenters of their podcast. Um, so it, it, just to say, most of you probably never heard the Cooper and Carey podcast. I <laughs> have No. Um, but uh, it, I think, is occupying a very interesting space in terms of our constituency those of us who are part of Speak Life and are coming into Foundry Unlocked, the sorts of churches, the sorts of denominational backgrounds we're coming from, the theological perspectives and thinking quite intentionally about creativity, thinking about the arts, thinking about story and and all the stuff that obviously we're focused on um, in terms of evangelism um, for these afternoons so we thought it'd be a uh, missed opportunity if we didn't have a chance to to talk through. So, anyone got any questions? Jack has a question.
1: If like for writing for like characters, do you ever struggle to write conflict between two characters? Like, if you want two characters to dislike each other, like, do you ever have? Do you have like a a summary or a checklist of ideas for how to like create conflict naturally and organically between two people?
2: Uh, yes. Um... Yes, I do. Uh, I was thinking about this very thing yesterday If I was doing a a seven-hour webinar, uh, which was mostly me talking, and some of it was about character. But one of the things, a couple of the headlines that just pop into my head, once you know who your characters are and what they want, so the the crucial thing is not what is your character like, but what what do they want. Um, And it may be something they want for themselves, It may be they want uh, validation, or respect, or security, or comfort. um, Or it may be what they want for the world. I haven't quite figured out a grand unified theory of this. But some people want to fix the world in one particular way. So my writing partner, Richard, when I do sitcom writing and stuff, he always says, when your character looks at the world, what do they see? So for some people, they see betrayal, another opportunity to be betrayed. Um, Or for some, they see a playground. You know, this whole world is for me to enjoy and I'm just going to trample on anything or anyone in order to get... So your characters almost certainly want different things out of life, the situation, the scene that they're in. So that's going to give you a natural conflict. Mm -hmm. But even when they're pulling in the same direction and trying to help each other, I think these are much more interesting because characters that are antagonistic to each other, it's pretty boring. Usually your characters are trying to... Either help each other or get along with each other in some way because we tend to be uh, more agreeable when we're with people. So, usually, um, the way uh, th- what characters do is they try to solve each other's problems based on their own personality and not on their personality. So, um, yeah. if you've got somebody who's super organized, um, when someone says, I've got this problem, they'll go, Okay, so what you need to do is, open an Excel spreadsheet, fill in the amount of information. And they're they're never going to do that. Mm -hmm. So this is, it's actually good advice, but it's terrible advice for this person. Um, And so, and and now, why are you not doing the thing that I told you to do? You've got an obvious problem to fix, and the only way to fix it is to do the thing that I said. You're never going to do that in the same Mm -hmm. way um, if I have to uh, go up on stage... Uh, and do a thing, and you're advising me, you literally just need to forget everything, just get up there and be yourself. And I'm like, I need a spreadsheet to do this. This is terrible advice. You know, yeah. help me figure it out. Know. So you're, you're trying to... F- characters are superimposing their own character flaws yeah. uh, onto other people. And once you kind of have those kinds of things, then suddenly it's amazing that they can see eye to eye on anything. They're not going to argue from, from the get-go. They're going to try and not argue, in fact. Um, and that's usually more interesting. So those would be my kind of hacks, really. And the, other, the, the third thing I mentioned yesterday is um, if your characters are a bit boring, or they're good, they're too good, is um, just turn a, turn, a, turn a virtue up so much that it becomes a vice. So if someone is really easygoing, just make them so easygoing that actually no use to anybody. Um, or it's annoying that you can't annoy them. So people spend all their time trying to annoy them and get a rise out of them. Or if, you're, you know, if your character is, is considerate, make them so considerate that some people would say that they're basically a doormat. And that kind of makes people mm. cross. Mm. So that's my four-minute stump speech on
0: yeah.
2: character conflict. Quite no, I like the
0: idea <laughs> of superimposing... Mm. This is how I would solve your problem, rather than me actually helping you to work out how you would solve mm. that problem. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It takes about mm, probably 20 to 25 years of marriage to, <laughs> to, to stop doing that,
3: <laughs> even
2: when you know you're doing it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm on about year 17 at the moment, but yeah. one day.
1: <laughs> Looking for a refreshing summer cocktail? Why not try a Cooper and Carey Simply mix one ounce of middle-aged regret, a squeeze of barely-contained cynicism, and a shot of predestination. But
0: please, enjoy responsibly. Um, I've got a question just on, on podcasting. Now, Barry, obviously, you you do, well, not obviously, you do Cooper and Kerry have words. What other podcasts are you currently doing and for whom? Mm. And how many podcasts do you think are out
1: there? I thought you were going to say, how many podcasts is too many?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when will you stop? Yes. <laughs> um, so how many podcasts do you think are out there with your name on them? And can you just give us a pricey of what those are?
1: Well, so I do one for Ligonier Ministries called Simply Put, which is basically uh, a short podcast about long words. That's the sort yeah. of elevator pitch. So... Um, just trying to make complicated theology simple in five minutes. And then I do, I present one called Luther in Real Time, which is... Based. Great.
2: You like that? Yeah, I was listening to an episode, I was catching up on the way here, and it was great.
1: That's good. It's, it's kind of an audio drama, really, if I wanted to describe it in a really boring way. But the idea is that um, uh, we're playing out the events between 1520, Luther is served, the exerge dominé, uh, papal bull all the way through to Here I Stand, the, the Diet of Worms in 1521. And you basically, each week, you're you're sort of jumping in, parachuting into Luther's world and saying, right, what, what would he have been doing this week? And so that's where the sort of real-time element comes from. So we did that uh, last year, and we're doing a sort of a season two right now. Um, what else? I think that, that's Cooper and Carey, obviously. Cooper and Carey, okay. And then I produce a lot of other things for Ligonier. Yeah. So there are other stuff I produce. Okay.
0: And I have other podcasts that are not <laughs> of this <cheapy> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, yes. other podcasts are available yeah. and obviously and James just the podcast you're doing there's obviously Cooper and Kerry have words we do we have done we have done <laughs> have popcorn, been known to pop-corn do, do popcorn, popcorn parenting. parenting James is poddy
1: amorous pod-y.
2: yeah although I've sort of slightly gone <laughs> backed yeah. off a bit
0: okay and the <laughs> um, other a good ones. line though, <laughs>
2: my other one <laughs> my other one that is, has been going for longer than Cooper and Kerry have words <laughs> Um, Yeah, sitcom geeks. It's called Sitcom Geeks. So that's me and a a guy called Dave Cohen, uh, who is a long-standing comedy writer, comedian. Writes all the lyrics for Horrible History songs. Mm. Um, You know, used to write jokes for I Got News for You and all that kind of stuff. So um, we we do that show together, which is all about writing situation comedy, and also sort of breaking in and making a living as a comedy writer. Yeah, so but seeing is always yeah. the focus.
0: So with those combined years of podcasting, brother, what's the magic sauce <laughs> that anyone who's involved in a podcast here could just insert and bang, you success? Um, and
2: also, what annoys you when you hear
0: a podcast?
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's a very good question as well. Um, I, think, I think the secret sources have extremely low expectations. Because I think when we started, we just thought that our expectation, our hope for this is that, as mates, we'd just be able to have a chat every couple of weeks. And that you wouldn't get fired. Yeah. yeah.
2: So far, so good. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Mission accomplished. (laughs) Um, And then, so it was, it's come as something of a shock, really, that people are actually willing to sort of Mm. throw a couple of sovs our way on Patreon Mm. to sort of keep us going. For me, and we've talked a bit bit about this on the podcast, I'm I'm a I'm the devil's own perfectionist and the great thing about James calling and saying why don't we just do a podcast is I thought well I can't do that because it will become immediately obvious to everybody what an idiot I am just to speak off the cuff yeah Um, and then I thought actually that's the really good reason for doing it so I think if you're willing to make an absolute idiot of yourself that probably helps as well doesn't Mm. it?
2: Yeah. And also you do have the edit to make yourself sound slightly less thick. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. Just go into that a bit more. So I know obviously you will have some things written out because mm. you want that not a safety net, but you want to you like yeah. to have formed the words clearly and precisely. Mm. Because you are you've got that tendency. Whereas James
2: yeah. to run around all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how do you find that making something which could go in any sort of direction? Yeah and yet trying to feel like you know where the, the fences are? That's a really good question. Like, I think it.
1: that the longer I've done this, the more I feel trapped by the script, and I'm trying to do less and less of it now. So okay. there's a parallel in my preaching as well. I've always been a full transcript sort of guy. Not that I read it, but I like to go up with every single word typed out. Yeah. And now, I, the, the older I get, the more I feel that that's probably not super helpful. And so I've learned a lot from James, actually, just to sort of be sort of try and be more present in the conversation just listen really carefully mm. and then you're never really at a loss for something to say I think if you listen well and if I'm constantly trying to sort of, fab, we had a guest not so long ago where he was very note bound and it just made me realise it doesn't really, even if all people could do is hear the audio it's actually not a great thing for podcasts I think, it okay. really sort of inhibits because um, it's such a lovely, it's why people listen to podcasts isn't it, because yeah. it's always that sort of somebody's going to say something they really shouldn't Mm. I think that's one of the reasons why we love podcasts because it feels yeah. very sort of um, yeah raw. So I, I would encourage people to explore that. And as James says, you've always got the edit if you say something heretical and/or you know yeah. terribly yeah. shocking.
2: Well, you just chuck it and start just again. Bin it. Yeah, yeah, bin yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, did we? Well, we binned an episode of Pop
0: Parenting Oh, Lego Movie. Lego Movie. Did you, why did you bin it? We binned it because I was stumbling around like a drunk in a in a unlit room. And I thought, I don't know why I can't get to the thing I know I want to get to about this film.
1: Now, how much preparation do you usually do for something like that?
0: So I normally have just my Notes app open Mm. on my phone whilst I'm watching a film. Maybe if I'll see something, I'll write one thing down. But then immediately afterwards, I'll just stream of consciousness. This is what I was thinking about everything. Mm. And then later on, James will say... Uh, what are we going to talk about? Give me three things. What can I ask you? And then I have to sort of go, well, to get to that point, mm. you might want to ask this. Mm. But it's never very precise. It, was mm. always it like, feels
2: like we've got a better formula now, now that we've all sort stopped. of stopped <laughs> doing it. Well, we haven't <laughs> yeah, stopped, yeah, yeah. but... yeah. 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 Um, in a way, just going back to Barry, I can sort of noodle around um, and not worry too much because I know that he's done prep, so, so we're going to be all right. So in a way, I'm using... Hopefully, the he's best your of safety. Yeah. Prep. Um, because then we've sort of got content. Right. So, yeah, a yeah. structure, some coherent thoughts. Whereas I tend to be, although I am capable of coherent thought, I tend to connect thoughts to each other. Mm. So, I tend to weave stuff together, really. So, I think we're kind of, uh, but I think we're preparing more rather than less the more we do. Mm. And I, yeah, yeah and, and the same with pop yeah. yeah, You know, in a way, it's like, give me three things three words and then we work through those three yeah. words and that gives us... Yeah.
1: You do the work to throw it away, don't you? We well, do, yeah. A little bit. Oh, yeah. I, yeah.
2: I think the other though. thing, we, the best advice we were given um, was probably after about three or four episodes, your friend Brant Hanson mm, basically good. very kindly said, you need to get on with it. Um, yeah. So we now make sure we start talking about the thing we're talking about within about a minute of the yeah. podcast starting. So yeah. if we're talking about um, you know what are we talking about this week? We will literally do that. We won't waggle on the tea. We won't sort of say, "Oh, how's your week been?" Oh, wow! Well, I had this this whole big thing the other mm. day where this is like, yeah. I I hate it when I'm listening to stuff yeah. when other people do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think what we try to do is have a respect for the audience of not wasting their time. Mm. So we do trim and cut and squeeze and take the air out of it a bit. So, you know. We'll we'll try when we you know we'll try and get an hour's conversation down to about 50, 45 minutes, yeah. and that's not just lopping out a seven minute jump which didn't really go anywhere, <clears throat> or a hobby horse that we've probably ridden ridden pretty hard yeah. fairly recently, <clears throat> but even just little within <clears throat> within you know a few arms and ears and everything just <clears throat> yeah. sometimes I think look like, if I don't know I mean over the course of the following six months or nine months about two thousand people are going to listen. If I can save each of them a minute uh, with some trims, then I've saved 2,000 minutes wow. of um, Christian of brothers and sisters where that. they could do something else with their time, where I'm just sort of stumbling <laughs> don't around. Don't flip
0: it around and think how many minutes of podcasts you've recorded and how those Christian brothers yeah. and sisters could have been used. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. employed for the kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, right yeah, right yeah. no,
2: I don't want really to go down that road. No, no. Um, but in general, I'm just trying to think. I just want to present something. That's better. And actually that's why working with Barry has been brilliant because he has higher standards than me. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit more, it's probably fine. I'm slightly bored of it. Can we get it out? Um, but actually fairly early on. Yeah. But then the other thing I think we did, which is important to podcasting, but just sort of YouTubing and anything really is we, we always do it. We keep doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we realised that weekly was unsustainable yeah. relatively early on, we went fortnightly and we stuck to it, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think for us particularly, that's just been a really important, yeah. And you've made yeah. you
1: know, sort of incremental changes. I think you know yeah. just getting stuff out and saying, okay, audio wasn't brilliant that time, but we can do it better next time. So, yeah, yeah. Just
0: words, good words. That's where ideas begin.
2: Maybe you should listen to them.
0: I got a question. I think for you, Barry.
1: You you mentioned before about how before when you were preaching, you kind of it wasn't that you were reading kind of line by line, but you, you did that prep and then you kind of not, bef- you shared what was on the page more or less, and then you've come to do less and less. And you said that before it was less helpful. Like, could, could you explain a little bit more about that as to why you find it more helpful to do a different method basically? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just that the people in front of you can just instinctively tell the difference. Between um, stuff, hello, um, you know, instinctively tell the difference between stuff that you are reading or half reading, and stuff that you've really, you're you're really sort of forming in the moment. There's just something more engaging and compelling about that, and I get it. it it's a balance because you don't want to be. My fear was that I'd be standing up in front of people and just have literally nothing to say and go completely blank. And I'm the, I used to be an actor, I was an actor for seven years, and if I go blank, then I go really blank. And that's why I had the script, because I thought, well, that, that's not going to work. Um, but I think that's all it is. I think it's just a sort of um, a sense that I think the audience can smell it. They can, they can smell thought. <laughs> And um, <laughs> that's a very <laughs> elegant way of putting it. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do, I think, more with preaching. And, and I think you can hear that on a podcast as well. You can hear scripted stuff, can't you? Mm. I think. Right now I'm making a, a podcast with um, Sinclair Ferguson. And he's brilliant at reading his own scripts. But you can still hear he's reading it. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to get him to go off mm-hmm. book and just basically do it. And if anyone can do it, he can do it. He yeah. d- does it brilliantly. Um, but I, I do think there's a qualitative difference.
2: Yeah. The flip side of that, incidentally, is yes. Yes. on the rare occasions that I preach, um, I I have a full script. Mm. And the reason for that is I don't want to be theologically mm. uh, irresponsible, but also performatively irresponsible. So, mm. you know, I did this webinar yesterday from 2pm till 9.30, where it was mostly me talking from some notes, you know, on situations, character all that kind of stuff. That, that, that's fine. And actually, on Tuesday night, I did the first version of a new show of mine called uh, Water into Wine, where I explain, it's called, I call it stand-up theology, where I'm explaining what water into wine means with unbelievers in mind. To so say, you've heard of it. It's the most famous one. Have you any idea what it means? Can I tell you what it means? So... I was completely off book for that, and I had a load of PowerPoint slides that made made, made, just triggered that I knew. So I I knew that my speech would be less precise, but I just wanted to kind of be free of the script and have both hands free, all that kind of stuff. But when I'm preaching on a Sunday morning, uh, that's not a performance. Um, That's not me off script. So I know for, for me personally. Write it down because otherwise you'll end up wandering a bit and you'll end up being funny in a way that draws mm. attention to yourself um, and blah, blah. So I know for me that I need to have the discipline of writing out a full script um, because I know what might happen if I don't, which is which is not appropriate when preaching to a congregation in, you know, on a Sunday. So I guess it's, it's a question of knowing thyself mm. and knowing you know, read the room as it were as well, I think.
1: And I should say I do write it out in full. I mean when I'm preparing the sermon. So I'm not just sort of going into the into the pulpit with just a few bullet points in my head. So yeah. Okay. So you've so you've kind of you've written it down, you've maybe practiced it once, it's in your it's in you. And then yeah. it's like you kind of go on that journey, but you yeah. you go back to it if you need to, basically. I think that's right. And yeah. certainly I've gone through it more than once. Yeah. My wife will tell you.
0: Um, Glenn do you have a Mm -hmm. thought on that Um, and then we'll go to Jono just I was just thinking in terms of your your preaching
3: yeah Uh, I would echo what Barry says about writing it out Um, you know there's a reason why if you go to theological college they get you to write essays because you think having done the reading, you know the answer to the question. You do not know the answer to the question. You realize that when it, it, the, through the excruciating effort mm. of untangling all the thoughts that are in your head and trying yeah. to get them into one coherent sort of narrative. So definitely I would, I would recommend writing it out. Because if you think you have some bullet points, you do not know how bullet point two leads to bullet point three. Mm-hmm. You yeah. think you know it until you have to articulate it and then you realize you do not know it and then the rest of the congregation realizes that you do not know it (laughs) and and so like save yourself that bother Um, but i I also think um so i had a background in comedy before i did preaching and i would read my scripts for the first 200 sermons maybe 300 sermons that i preached i would abs because i was so determined not to tell jokes and so determined for it not to be a performance and it took me a long time to then sort of go back to the performance side of things and go back right. to I can I can be free of this thing. Yeah. And and so after 300 or so sermons I started to ditch the script yeah. and just stand. And one thing I'll say about just standing in front of a congregation is there is now nothing between you and them. You have cleared every, there is not even a script. There is not even a thing called a sermon between you and the congregation, which mm-hmm. I think is a good thing. Yeah. I, for the same reason on the podcast, you know when something is written. And when something is not written, you've cleared away a barrier. And now what the sermon is, is precisely your communication to the ears of the listeners. Yep. Rather than, there's a thing called a sermon. Yep. And actually, ironically, that can be the performance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Here's the thing that I prepared earlier. I I, I did a recital in my room of, of the clarinet, and now I come out and I perform the recital for you. Yeah. I did a, a, I pr- I practiced the sermon. Now I'm gonna do the sermon to yeah. you, and it's and it's yeah, yeah. a different thing. Yeah. You know. And, and so there's something about clearing away that that clears away a barrier. There's also something about that that actually means you are a high wire act with no net. Mm and the audience are so much more invested yeah. if there is no net. Yeah, Th- that's that's, true.
0: It's interesting, so my, my background in preaching was the, the two preachers that had biggest impact on me would be my dad, who I heard when I was a very sort of young child, really, but then a guy called Mark Prentice, who was a Northern Irish guy who never preached with notes and was, you know, 40 minutes, and, but, but so, so well-drilled well on everything he was saying. So I was sort of assuming okay, you go into this without notes. But then, and I think if I'd gone straight into Sunday morning sermons, Sunday evening sermons for an adult congregation, I probably, I don't know where it would have gone, but because I was doing so much children's and youth ministry, they, they have no patience whatsoever for someone reading notes or, or trying to cover a script or trying to remember where they are. You have to grab them. And that means you have to know what you're talking about and be able to keep, keep the thing alive. And so all of my preaching training was done in that context, which then means that now I actually find it really awkward if I even need some bullet points because I'm sort of going, I don't mm-hmm. know, am I concentrating on you and the Bible or am I... And so usually the text itself then becomes my structure and I just have to... And I do, you know, I have spoken out what I'm going to say several times in order to to shape it but just to finish this off because I know John has got a question but um, there was a discussion about Jordan Peterson here at Speak Life the other day uh, because one of our interns didn't know who he was can you imagine that that's even possible but it's true And so we were trying to do as good a job as possible of describing who he was and why he was so famous and all this sort of stuff. And one of the things that is so remarkable about him is that his off the cuff, extemporaneous response to a question is a perfectly crafted, logically flowing sentence, which you can then transcribe and it just sits perfectly on the page. So there's a number of... Things. So, Glenn, you mentioned about using him in, in your book and i used him in an essay for university. And both of these occasions, he is either responding to something that's just been asked to him or he's giving a lecture and you've seen him step away from his laptop 10 minutes ago. But, I mean, he's, that's, that's the odd one out, right? You, I, I don't know how you train people to think like that, but it's, well, one thing it does it's a weird do, one.
2: Which we can learn from is... You, you can see him thinking. So I have one, what, I watch, one caught up on a few of his videos recently where he's been interviewing people, and they ask him a question. And when they ask him a question, his response is, mm-hmm. I think, well, you know, so, and then he'll go. Mm-hmm. So he, he dares to actually think. And, and when we went to see him live in Oxford a few years ago, You know, he really was, he was thinking on stage. He was, because, you know, he's not going to do this, he he has no interest in performing. Tonight, for one night only, thinking on stage. (laughs) He was... (laughs) Can't see the man think. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but we were. No, and it's compelling, Yeah, yeah. because he was taking an idea for a bit of a spin. I mean, he, in hindsight, you just think, well, you could have done that faster. But actually, it was rather enthralling to watch him do it you know, without a safety net in front of two and a half thousand people in one of the most mm-hmm. famous academic cities on earth. Um, and there he was. And it was... So I think that sense of being in the moment, I think, is, was one of his superpowers, I think. Isn't yeah. it? Mm. And he, in that sense, therefore, he makes himself vulnerable because he's prepared to get it wrong, to fail, to express something badly. Mm. We're so afraid of
1: longueurs, aren't we? And as you just demonstrated, mm. it's incredibly powerful. Mm. I mean, it it just z- everybody zeroes in, in the room, and I think um, maybe as people of the book, we're a little bit afraid sometimes of all right, we've, we're leaving yeah. that, and we we ought to. Yeah. Yes. Dramatic tension is good. It's it's a long Bible. There's a lot of dramatic tension between the fall and the, yeah. you know, the consummation and so on. So. Yeah. And yeah. In
3: my experience, when anyone, whenever anyone asks me about going note free, ninety eight percent of the times it it is. What is stopping them is fear of looking foolish yes. in front of people. Yeah. Yes. And I always, if that, if that's the reason, there are all sorts of good reasons to go totally note bound and just, yeah, yeah, you know, we are we are dealing with the Word of God, and I, like I don't want to get that wrong. And if if you don't want to get the Word of God wrong, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to look foolish, terrible reason. Mm-hmm. Terrible reason. I yeah, say that ship sailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Especially because if you dry up or if you spend time reaching for a word you have them mm. in the palm of your hand yeah. more than any other time in your sermon if, if, as you're what, what am I saying grasping yeah. as you grasp it, the rest everyone's straining yeah. say it man yeah. not, yes, yes. you know yeah. like the best thing you can do is dry up actually so mm. if the only thing stopping you is that you don't want to look foolish like mm. no yeah. you, like I, I will steal your script at that point <laughs> Barry, I was just interested, you mentioned acting before. I was curious for yourself in terms of preaching uh, and those kinds of contexts. And I I think I've seen some of your stuff uh, with Life Explored. I was curious what your background of acting, how that's kind of shaped uh, your communicating context. I mean, one, I guess, verbally, but also maybe in terms of gestures and things like that.
1: It's a really good question, but I think you're, you're dead if you're thinking about gestures. That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> so I think there's a... I hesitate to say that... In fact, I would definitely hesitate to say that every preacher should go train at a drama school. I, tra- I trained for a year. Um, I think it can make you extremely self-conscious. I think vocally it's been quite good for me because I've had sort of vocal problems. So in, a, in that sort of technical way, it's been helpful. Um, but I think, yeah, if you're starting to think about, all right, what's going to... What would what be a good gesture for something out there? You know, suddenly then you're becoming... You're veering into sort of Brian Blessed territory. I think. And it's not <laughs> not what you want from a preacher, is it? Blessed. Um, yeah. What is Brian Blessed? Is a British
2: thing?
1: Yeah, a like a very theme? sort of... Very thespy sort of fruity, classic sort of old-school British rep, com- com- your company trains, you know... I just don't think that's a good look for a preacher. Um, you want to be... You want to sort of forget yourself, don't you, really? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of self-consciousness in acting, and defi- certainly in bad acting, which I was fairly skilled at.
2: I thought <laughs> <laughs> sure I mean, I think...
1: Have I been too negative about... I think you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have. Yeah.
2: So I I, I, I agree with what you say in terms of what it's right to be concerned about those things, but... When you see actors struggling with the script and you're directing or whatever it is, they're trying to find the sense and the truth in it. And I mm-hmm. think what's really, mm. what's really good about uh, the acting training is it's, it is at least honest. So from the outside, especially you know Christians of, of our heritage at least, they just think, well, acting is, of course, all lying. <laughs> you know, They're lying. Um, it's all lies, plays are evil... Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretense, isn't it? It's a charade. Um, but actually, it's the, there's a truth to it. And so actors, good actors and good scripts, they're always looking for the truth. And good scripts are found wanting... Sorry, bad scripts are found wanting by good actors. Yeah. And occasionally, a line slips through um, and you're shooting a scene and the actor just says, why is my character doing this? Um, why is my character saying this line? And the awful truth is because the audience needs to know a piece of expositional information. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they found it. yeah, They've, yeah. They, And they found yeah. you out. So I think the acting training gives you a sense of that truthfulness in the moment. Um, and if you're working with a good script, if you're telling a story from the Bible, if you're, if you're doing it uh, right, yeah. I think you can...
1: That's a really good point. And there there are one or two sort of technical things which I think have been useful. So, for example, the idea of focus. Most people change focus far too much, so by by which I mean you're looking over here, you're looking over here, you're looking over here, you're doing this. When you're at drama school, it's all about making it minimal and changing your focus as little as possible to convey thought. Now, I don't think I consciously do that now, but I think because I've internalised it that enables me hopefully when I'm preaching to be less to seem less scattered in my thoughts and to be more um, yeah. to help people to kind of really concentrate on what I'm saying maybe
2: and therefore what goes in hand in hand that is the expectation of preparation mm-hmm. I think which an actor has so I've been working on some material which I've used once or twice i need to turn it into something um, to help people who read scripture in church and I think lesson one that I teaching that is um, the idea of just going up and reading something in front of 80 people in a church so ask an actor to do that and they'd like a day to prepare that when did anyone last spend a day preparing a reading for a church service that you've ever been to I mean 50% of the time and it, it shows. it's sight read yep. Yep. they might have skipped, skipped through it once beforehand do they understand what they're reading no an actor wouldn't dream of reading out something that they didn't actually understand. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just raising the level of expectation for what, why do you think it's going to be good if you don't train? Mm-hmm. I mean, your, your musicians have probably been playing the piano since they were kids. They've been training. You've actually spent some money on training them. And then they rehearse, theoretically, for at least an hour before they play on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So... You know, why, why, why don't we read scripture well in church? Because mm. we, we can't be bothered. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, just, that's basic. So, you know, actors yeah. who do fringe plays at Edinburgh Festival, you know, the Edinburgh Festival, you know, they might do a play ten times over and each performance is seen by ten people. So they perform that play to a hundred people. Nine of whom are in the cast with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they probably have spent a month yeah. rehearsing that play. So, I just think the actor discipline, I yeah, think, yeah. is. I, I have greater and greater respect for actors uh, the more I think about what, how they train and what they go through. Mm. And these are some of the things. So, that preach without notes thing is great, but that's going to require more preparation, more understanding, more confidence in the text, building up your understanding. Um, in a way, writing it out, capturing it, and then reading it out. I mean, that's almost too easy.
3: Hey guys, I'm a big fan of the of the podcast. Actually, I just wanted to ask two things. Um, whose idea was it to come up with that crazy random interlude music that you have? <laughs> um, is it was that
1: right? Oh, <laughs> it's almost certainly you. I th- and this is one of those things where you know the unfortunate societal effects of technology. So the Model T Ford was invented, and now all our relationships are getting fractured, you know, as a result. Somebody invented Logic Pro. Mm-hmm and basically put the power to create music into the hands of chimps, (laughs) (laughs) and so here we are. And I just found myself enjoying it much more than I thought I would, and so that, and then it just became like, well, we all, and I think it was a palate cleanser thing. I think there was that idea of, all right, if people have been listening for 10, I think we typically, we're thinking roughly every 10 minutes we're dropping some music in. It just helps people, I think, to sort of, they're like breakers on on the shore, aren't they, a little bit, I think, that's the way I think of them.
2: Uh, although uh, when we had Steve Jeffrey on recently, he hates. Them. He doesn't like them. He because when we asked when when in the preparation of it, we just said about this, that, or the other, and he he sort of said only half jokingly, "Oh, I didn't. I, I assumed you weren't actually a serious podcast because you've got jingles." But you know, I think my response to that was, "Well, the, the the news on television isn't a serious." Uh, pro- program because it's got a theme tune. Yeah. How could the news have a theme tune? That's yeah. idiotic. So it's like music is kind of woven into everything. Yeah. So, yeah. you yeah. know, in your face, Steve Jeffrey. But yeah, yeah so yeah. that, but so there's, there, yeah. there is a, a reason behind them. And also
1: what do you think though? Is it a bit off putting or had or you just got used to it maybe? At,
3: at first, I was genuinely like disturbed. He's, yeah, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> it was a bit weird because I wasn't yeah. used to it. And, um, but then as it went on, did serve as a bit of like just just an interlude, just a break that you it's like fair enough. Yeah. And they Cooper
0: and have words. I mean it's interesting. I was literally one of the two questions I was gonna to ask to wrap up um, was around the jingles and you saying that they're a palate cleanser, so they just help to keep people back in and it's something. But also I know how much fun you guys have making those. Mm-hmm. And In terms of creativity, as we're thinking about it in multiple different ways, is that something that you think your love of doing this podcast has been maintained because you know you can just go, oh, I've got an idea for a jingle based upon...
2: I was quite pleased with my hunting per- perfume. one. Perfume. Yeah,
0: I've not heard the hunting one. This is literally okay. just dropped uh, okay.
2: yesterday. Okay. It's quite mellow. There's a little bit yeah. of a beat, yeah. and there's a ju- there's sort of forest noise, and it's, Cobra and Gary have words. Shh. Because Larry, his pastor, has just been describing sitting very still waiting <laughs> to shoot an animal. Yeah. So I just thought... Yeah. So, Kate, I try, when, I'm, when I'm editing the audio, I try to think of one that's, you know, apposite. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But um, we've definitely, yeah. it's a work in progress, isn't it? Because we did some early on where they were vetoed because we were like, that's a bit too strange. People are not
2: ready for that yet. Yeah. When you say they were vetoed, Barry did a really funny one, and I just said, I think this is just outside the realm of quite where we are at yeah. the moment. Which I can't remember.
1: Exactly right, I think.
0: Was it, think, the, uh, it was the Enya one? It was the Enya one. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Can you
0: do it for us now? I remember it, but can you do it just? So, uh, what was the point of this jingle?
1: This. Is Celtic Dreamweaver Enya.
3: Would you like to hear me interview people in an uncharacteristically aggressive way? Please subscribe to my new podcast, Enya Face. In the meantime,
2: please enjoy Cooper and Kerry have words. I think that I think they're important though. Yeah. Because it distinguishes us from all of the other Christian podcasts, which are very serious or earnest. Um, and I think it's really important that we represent real life in the sense of we are serious about the Bible and our Christian faith, reformed faith, whatever it is we're talking about. But we don't have to be serious. Yeah. So people, So I think a lot of Christian podcasts are either very serious or they're sort of light-hearted in a slightly contrived way, and it's sort of slightly poorly constructed bands. Um, yeah, and I'd like to do more of that. Let's be mm-hmm. Yeah, that
1: but I think you're right that um, this may be what you are getting at. I think is right that the fact that we can do that, I think, has helped us go longer because we just enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it's staying the obvious, but you, you know, you sort of need to enjoy a bit yeah. what you're doing. So,
0: and I think to sort of finish off with the part of that enjoyment enjoying the art that you're creating and developing appreciating the particular limits and constraints and joyful constraints of particular art forms is one of the things that people find compelling mm. because if you're not enjoying making a podcast and it's not obvious to the people who are listening to your podcast that yeah. you're enjoying making the podcast because right.
1: the audience is certainly not enjoying it so, what, <laughs> exactly. so what's the point Yes. Yeah, somebody well needs to
0: yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's, that's key and, and, you know, we haven't touched on it at all, but one of the things that you guys have done is to develop quite a following of very committed people who are, your Discord server is busier than Facebook as far as I can tell. Yeah with people who are constantly supporting one another in prayer, sharing photographs from holidays, all sorts of stuff, discussing COVID and guns and everything in between.
2: And I don't know any of these people. Yeah, no. They're not friends of mine, and I... by which I mean they don't listen to the show because they're a mate and yeah. they felt yeah. bad and joined the yeah. Discord. They're just like yeah. people from all over the world who are just yeah. like, we, we get it and we, we want to chat to each yeah. other. You're not needed for this, guys. And,
0: <laughs> yeah, and potentially, it wouldn't be good for you to meet them. <laughs> There's <that's laughs> probably, probably something in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's when they start getting Cooper and Gary tattoos, I think that's when we've got <laughs> we'll to draw the line. Well, let's draw the line, or, well, or draw the line. Charge your royalty. we'll draw the line here.
3: Bye-bye. <laughs>